And uh, we're going to share the word of God. We're going to continue with uh, the revelation of the cross. Uh, We're going to talk tonight about out of reach. Everybody say out of reach. That's a good place to be out of reach of your enemy. Amen. Let's pick up our Bibles and make this confession together. The word of God is truth. If I live the word, I will be blessed. If I don't, I won't. It's just that simple. Turn to somebody and say, it's hard to mess it up. That's right. Praise the Lord. Let's turn to Exodus chapter 8, verse 22 and 23. And then I'm going to just explain this to you um, the way that that it came to me. Because I believe God wants us to be aware um, of what the cross really provided for us. We had the first week we talked about the work of the cross. And then we uh, shared about nothing but the blood last week. Nothing but the blood. That's, That's what causes us to be able to walk in authority and dominion. And um, I thought it was very interesting. I never shared with um, my sister, Chris, who's uh, pastor over in Children's Church, anything about what we were doing. But over in Children's Church, their whole theme of the whole month of March is about what the blood of Jesus did on Calvary. And they're teaching the children about the blood. And I knew something was going on because my grandson, Jack, brought me uh, a picture that was with popsicles, popsicle sticks. And the, they, the one across the top was uh, red. And he said, that's the blood of Jesus, Grandma, and it keeps us safe. You know, he learned, you know, about that over there. So uh, I praise God that God keeps us all on the same page. And I think it's uh, this what the Holy Spirit's emphasizing right now as we head into Easter, Palm Sunday. Uh, it's the blood of Jesus. It's not our works. It's not our abilities. It's not other people's abilities or their works or doings. It's the blood of Jesus that has brought us total freedom from sin and destruction. And how many of you are glad for that? And tonight we're going we're gonna to share about out of reach. If you'll look at this scripture, this is um, actually a scripture where uh, we're talking about Moses uh, in the process of delivering the children of Israel, which God called him to do. But he first had to uh, lead the children of Israel out of Egypt to get them out from under the Egyptians' rulership, which was brutal and, uh, and they were very cruel to the, to the Israelites, which uh, their cries had gone up to God. And that prompted God to get involved in their situation and begin to make a way of escape for them from what they were under in this bondage of Egypt. And so most of you know this story, but Moses went to Pharaoh several times. And uh, as, the, as those things progressed, God would tell him what he was going to do. He would go to Pharaoh, tell him this is what's going to happen. But Pharaoh refused to let the people go. But God said, this is happening because I've hardened his heart so that I can show you what I can do to get the things done that I want to get done. And in the process, there were many plagues that the Egyptians went through, but the Israelites did not go through any of them. None of them, none of them. And I want to show you this tonight because what God did was he put those people that belonged to him in a position where they were out of reach from what was done to everybody else in those plagues. What came on the Egyptians did not come on the children of Israel. And I believe God is still in the business today of protecting his people when they're in position. Everybody say in position, in position. God protects his people from the plagues, so to speak, that go on in the earth, in the world that we live in today. And this is very important because there's many things happening in the world today, not just in the United States, 
But all around the world, there are many things happening. And so when we belong to God and we're in the right position, God will protect us from evil. And so as you look at this verse, it's in uh, Exodus chapter 8, the first place is 22 and 23. And it says, on in that day, which is when this particular plague was a swarm of flies that were going to be released on the Egyptians. And um, it says, and in that day, I will set apart. Everybody say set apart. Say that again, set apart the land of Goshen. Now, if you, just for a quick history lesson here, Joseph, when, remember Joseph was uh, sold by his brothers. He ended up in Egypt. He ended up in prison. But in the end, he was there for a famine that for seven years was plenty. Seven years was famine. And in that seven years, even though his brothers meant him harm, he said to his brothers, it was God who put me here so that I would be in position, everybody say in position, to deliver you from the famine that would be in the earth. And when, when they were brought, all of his family was brought into Egypt. They were brought in and they were placed in the land of Goshen. That's how they ended up in Goshen. They put them in Goshen because they were shepherds and they separated them from everybody else. And Pharaoh said, it's okay, just give them the land of Goshen. So everybody said, set apart say set apart. Yeah. They were set apart. They were put in this land before this came about, but for this purpose, they were all not scattered among the Egyptians. They were all together in this place. And so when the plague started, it says, I will set apart the land of Goshen in which my people dwell. So God knew where his people were that no swarm of flies shall be there in order. Why did he do it? in order that you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the land. You know, I think of that often when uh, Pastor Bill reads that sign that's on his desk that says, I'm going to do something on your behalf. You're going to know it. Your, your church is going to know it. The community will know it, that my hand moved on your behalf. See, it, it's so that God becomes magnified, so that God becomes glorified so that God is exalted in the situation. So people know there is a God and there is a God. We know there's a God, but this is so all of Egypt would know there was a God. And so he said, I will make a difference. Everybody say difference. I will make a difference between my people and your people tomorrow. This sign shall be. And so when those swarm of flies were released, they were released all over Egypt but Goshen was right there, not a fly in the land. It would be like, have you ever gone down the road and it's been raining really hard? I've experienced this on the highway. It's amazing to me. Sometimes when I go to Tulsa, it's usually stormy through um, the Ozarks, the Lake of the Ozarks, and you're going through these hills. And you can actually go around a curve and it stops raining. And then you go around the next curve and it's a blinding rain again. You know, you're hitting your... Windshield wipers on and off, on and off. And, uh, but that's, can you imagine flies everywhere, 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 everywhere. And suddenly no flies. Now this is important. They were set apart. They were set apart by God so that God could make a difference between them and the people of Egypt. If you go to verse, uh, chapter nine, verse 26, there's another plague that comes and it says, that the hail would strike the whole land of Egypt, that it would strike both man and beast. They were warned to get all of their animals inside, get all of the people inside because this hail was coming. And it says only in the land of 
Goshen, where the children of Israel were, there was no hail. Now, this is exciting to me. When I read this story, and I've I've heard the story a lot as a young child. You know, you hear about the stories about Moses and the children of Israel being delivered. But I never had heard this part of it till I read it in the word of God. That God specifically took care of his children in the midst of everything that was going on. And he did it for this purpose, to let them know, these are my people. These are my people, and I take care of my people. Isn't that good news? Tonight, think of your situation. Now, you know, you're not dealing maybe with hail. I don't think. Hallelujah. Maybe you are. But, but you know, most of us are not dealing with hail. But I was talking with my friend Janet Lay today, and she said, how's the weather up there? And I said, well, actually, I think you've had worse weather than we've had. She said, no. She said, we prayed away those last two storms. We stopped, and they didn't come to Grove. And, you know, we can think that's silly, but I believe that there, it's true. You know, we speak. We speak to the atmosphere. We speak into situations. We are called of God to speak what God gives us to speak. And so she said, we're not, we're not having any more of that. We had a couple of those ice storms. We don't want any more of them. How many of you know, if you've been to an ice storm, you know, it'll change your prayer life to pray against one. Even if you don't have success, you're going to be standing against it. And then it says in Exodus 10, another plague came through in 22 and 23. And this was darkness. It said the darkness was so dark that you could feel it. I don't know what that means, but it could be felt. And so Moses stretched out his hand toward the heaven, and there was thick darkness in all the land of Egypt three days. They did not see one another, nor did anyone rise from his place for three days. But all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. Because God chose to make a difference between the Egyptians and the Israelites. If you look at uh, verse 11, or chapter 11, verse uh, 7, it says, But against none of the children of Israel shall a dog move its tongue against man or beast, that you may know that the Lord does make a difference between the Egyptians and the Israelites. Now, you know, we can, we can say, well, you know, we're not dealing with Egyptians. Let's just say Egyptians would be our enemies, whatever that is. You know, I think that in the church, we have to get a revelation because of the blood of Jesus, because of the cross, we are not subject to this world's system. And if we do not get that revelation, we will be subject to it. You know, uh, Mike and Linda Cantwell just gave a testimony of how they got out of debt in this past year. Now, listen, this past year has not been a good year for a lot of people, but they got out of debt, totally out of debt. See, we don't believe for the same things that the world believes for because in the midst of whatever's going on, our God is bigger than those situations. And you may be in the middle of your situation right now, but I'm telling you, even though you cannot see it, God is making a difference between you and somebody else. It may not be manifested yet, but I promise you, God will get the glory in the end of the situation. So it will come to pass. If you look at Exodus 12, 12 and 13, and this is probably, you know, we were just sharing about this earlier, but probably one of the most phenomenal things of all. When God said that he was going to pass through the land and all the firstborn of, of every animal, uh, human would die. And this is what it says in verse 12, 12, for I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood, everybody say the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. 
We talked about that last week. Nothing but the blood. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. In the midst of that destruction, God said, this will not happen to you. You are not going to be subject to this because you are my people and I am your God. Now, in the old covenant, there was nothing to stop the wrath of God on sin or disobedience. In the new covenant, everybody say the new covenant. Because of the blood of Jesus, because we know Christ, it's, we are dealing with an enemy. Everybody say an enemy. He is a destroyer. He comes to kill, steal, destroy. I think what it's in ever since he said this, it's steal, kill, destroy, not kill, steal, destroy. I used to, uh, and I go right back to that. But every time I do, I remember Woody. How many of you remember something somebody says? That's good. Everybody say, that's good. So it's steal, kill, destroy. But he came to do those three things. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly, more abundantly. So if we belong to God, we sit on this side of the river And that stuff sits on the other side of the river. Amen. And it's not going to get on us as long as we stay in position. Because the key to this last plague was that you did not go out of your house. You could not go out of your house and still be protected. In other words, you had to stay in the place of safety because the blood was over the place of safety. If you proceeded out of there, then you would be subject to the plague. Now, this is very important because as believers, oftentimes we feel like, you know, we're, we're not subject to what the world's subject to. And that's true if we're living in the position God's called us to live in. Everybody say, uh-oh. See, we, we, we cannot claim uh, things if we're not where we're supposed to be. It was very clear. If the children of Israel had been over in Egypt, they would have been hit by the hail. Because the cutoff point was the land of Goshen. Did you hear that? In the land of Goshen. In the land of Goshen. There will, this will not come in the land of Goshen because that land belongs to me. That's where my people are. And so where, where God brings us in our life and puts us in position, wherever you are today, when you stay in covenant or stay in relationship with God, you are protected from the plague. And some of you may say, well, I've had the plague get in my house. You know, my husband and I, we've talked about this a lot because over 30 years of ministry, we have seen things happen we don't understand. I do believe sometimes the enemy finds a way in. But the Bible says that he has to find a place. He has to find a way in. We may not always understand. My husband and I both have had to fight sickness and things in our body and situations. And, And my husband always says, I'm asking God to show me how the enemy got in. And oftentimes we don't want to look at that. We just want to believe I I didn't do anything. But it's important that we ask and find that place so we can get out of that position of uh, having the enemy attack us. And I want to show you this from the word of God. In Exodus 33, 1 and 2, God is a covenant God. Everybody say God's a covenant. Covenant God. He's a covenant God. Exodus 33, he's working with the children of Israel. He's got them out. (laughs) Hallelujah. They're in the wilderness, but they're out of Egypt. And, of course, this is, this is right, you know, before. Actually, it's right after they couldn't find Moses. He was on the mountain for too many days for them. And so they got Aaron. They took all of that gold and things that God 
got him out of Egypt with all the wealth. They gave it to Aaron and he said he just threw it in the fire and out came a calf. I, you know, when he was confronted, but he's the one who told them to bring the gold. He's the one who shaped the calf. He's the one that made them an idol. And so it, it, long story short, God was furious with them that they had exchanged uh, an idol for him. That's exactly what they did. They, they decided that they wanted a little calf to worship instead of the living God to defend them. And so in, in that place, God was very angry. But in chapter 33, the, the next chapter as we read, then the Lord said to Moses, depart, go up from here, you and the people. Now they're not got his people. <laughs> he gave them to Moses. And Moses kept saying, I don't want these people. They're your people. They're not my people. He and God had to talk about that. I know how that feels, you know, when you're praying for people and suddenly they're not doing what they're supposed to. We say, God, those people. He goes, those are your people. They're not my people. This is your church, not my church. You get into this story with God, you know. But they said, depart and go up from here, you and the people whom you've brought out of the land of Egypt, to the land which I swore, everybody say, to the land, which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying to your descendants, I will give it, and I will send my angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, and Perizzites, and Hivites, and Jebusites. Go to the land flowing with milk and honey. Now, this is important right here. I will not go up in your midst. Says he's going to send an angel, but he's not going with him because you're I, lest I consume you on the way for you are a stiff necked people. Look at your neighbor and see if their neck looks stiff. Hallelujah. We don't want any stiff necked people. <laughs> Hallelujah. And it says the people mourned when they heard this bad news and no one put on his ornaments. In other words, they were sad because God was not going with them. Well, if you look on down, he, he's, he's saying, I have a promise. I'm going to fulfill the promise. But it says in, in, in verse uh, 34, I see, let's look at, actually, let's look where it says Moses, where Moses says um, in verse 12, then Moses said to the Lord, see, you say to me, bring this people up, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Moses was always looking for somebody to go with him. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray, if I found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you and that I might find grace in your sight. And consider this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. So God did go with him. And and in the end, he said, well, let me know how, how, let me see you so I'll, I'll know you're with me. He said, well, I'll pass by you, but you can't see me face to face. Everybody go, ah, because you know what? You get to see him face to face, but Moses couldn't. And Moses was a mighty man of God, but because we live in the new covenant, we get to see him face to face. We get to go right into the throne room. Not because we're better than these people because of the, amen. You got it church. Okay. 34 verse uh, chapter 34, verse 10. So God speaks to them and he says, I will make a covenant. Everybody say a covenant before all your people. I will do marvels. Now, this is the same bunch that just had a calf going a while back. Everybody say God is merciful. I mean, this is mercy, folks. This is mercy such as I have not done in all the earth, nor in any nation and all the people among whom you are shall see the work of the Lord. For it is an awesome thing that I will do with you, even though they had messed up. God still had chosen them and he, he had called them his people, even though he got into it with Moses every now and then they were his people and he was going to do marvelous things through them. 
Turn to your neighbor and tell him he's going to do marvelous things through you. Yeah, I want, I want to show you. In Exodus, in Exodus um, no, that's not right. It's Deuteronomy 7. That shouldn't say Exodus. Just scratch that Exodus under B. That's not Exodus. That's Deuteronomy. I got in a hurry. Move forward. Deuteronomy 7. This is what God said about the new generation. We know that generation never did get to the promised land. Everybody say the promised land. But the new generation, the, the children of that generation did get there. And it says in chapter 7, God says about this generation of young people, for you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. Now, what this did was it put them out of reach from the enemy because they belong to God. When you belong to God, the enemy cannot touch you. The enemy cannot touch you. It put them in a position of being his people, his chosen people. And this, I think, is interesting. He said, the Lord did not set his love on you nor choose you because you were more in number than any other people. For you were the least of all people. How many of you have ever felt like the least of all? But because the Lord loves you and because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers, who would be Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So he's reminding them of why they can believe that he will do what he will do because of covenant. Everybody say because of covenant. This is, this is just, I want to just read you the blessings of obedience. Are you ready? If you can follow along in Deuteronomy 7, if you have your Bible. It says, then it shall come to pass before you listen to these judgments. I'm in verse 12. And keep and do them that the Lord your God will keep with you the covenant and the mercy which he swore to your fathers. He will love you and he will bless you. And he will multiply you. Aren't you glad you're under that banner? He will also bless the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your land, your grain, your new wine, your oil, the incense, the increase of your cattle. Now, you know, bring this up to today. You know, you don't have cows. Probably some of you may. But this is everything that's under your roof. He will bless everything that has to do with your provision. And, and, and what supplies your needs? The offspring of your flock in the land of which he swore to your fathers to give you, you shall be blessed above all peoples. Are you getting this? See, these are the same children that he took care of when all the plagues were coming. He says, there shall not be a male or female barren among you or among your livestock. The Lord will take away from you all sickness and will afflict you with none of the terrible disease of Egypt, which you've known, but will lay them on all those who hate you. Also, you shall destroy all the peoples whom the Lord your God delivers over to you. Your eyes shall have no pity on them, nor shall you serve their gods, for that will be a snare to you. If you should say in your heart, these nations are greater than I, how can I dispossess them? You shall not be afraid of them. Hallelujah. No matter what you face, you shall not be afraid. But you shall remember well what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all of Egypt. What did he do? He made a difference. He set them apart. He made provision for them, even when there was no provision for Egypt. Moreover, the Lord your God will send the hornet among them until those who are left who hide themselves from you are destroyed. You shall not be terrified of them. 
That's your enemies. For the Lord your God, the great and awesome God, is among you. The Lord your God will drive out those nations before you little by little. You will be able to destroy them at once, lest the beast of the field become too numerous for you. But the Lord your God will deliver them over to you and will inflict defeat upon them until they are destroyed. I mean, this is a good chapter. When you're having a bad day, read Deuteronomy 7, okay? Scratch that out on your paper. I don't want you in the wrong chapter, Hallelujah. Because you're a holy people, a chosen people. And in First Peter, it identifies us as peculiar. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and see if they qualify. No stiff necks, just peculiar people. Hallelujah. That's all we want. Okay. Ye will deliver their kings into your hand, and you will destroy their name from under heaven. No one shall be able to stand against you until you have destroyed them. Are you getting this? This ought to be a, you know, like a cheerleading, you know, go, 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 or whatever. Hallelujah. This is what God says. You shall burn the carved images of their gods with fire. You shall not covet the silver or gold that is on them, nor take it for yourselves, lest you be snared by it, for it is an abomination to the Lord your God. Even if something looks good, but it has to do with evil, don't touch it. This is really important. Because when you're living in a place where all kinds of things are happening, you got to remember it's God who's going to make the difference. And if he says that may be gold and you may need money, but don't you touch that because that is not the right gold to touch. Hallelujah. God has a plan for every one of us in the day we're living in. And we cannot get into the world's stuff. We have to stay in the vein or the place, the position that God gives us to. It says in Hebrews, now let's go to the new covenant, Hebrews chapter 8. This is, this is concerning us. And if you want to read the difference between the Old and New Covenant, you need to read Hebrews 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. Uh, it says that, that this is the covenant. Everybody say, this is the covenant. That I will make of the house with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. After what days? After this, these days of the Old Covenant. In fact, let's go back up to verse 7 of Hebrews 8. For if that first covenant, that was the one we just read about, had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. Can you imagine after all those blessings we just read about, that wasn't good enough. It wasn't good enough because there was nothing to protect us from evil. And evil, any kind of evil could stop the blessing from coming in that situation and, and evil had not been taken care of until the blood behold, the days are coming says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant, everybody say new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, which is what we just talked about because they did not continue in my covenant. Those blessings are for obedience. Everybody say obedience. And I disregarded them, says the Lord, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. Now, if you look at um, Hebrews 10, 10, let's look at Hebrews 10, 10. This is what it says. I'm going to read from 8 through 10. Previously saying, sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and offerings for sin, you did not desire nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law, the old covenant. Then he said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God. This would be Jesus. He takes away the first that he may establish the, the second. So he takes away the old law 
to establish the new. Takes away the doesn't doesn't take it away in that it never existed, but the effect of the old covenant is now subject to what the new covenant says. So sin no longer has dominion over those who are a part of the new covenant. That doesn't mean we can't get into a bad situation. It doesn't have dominion, but we have to take dominion in order to not get under its dominion. And so it says, by that will, by what will, that he took away the first to establish second, we have been sanctified. Would you say sanctified? Now, this is the covenant you live in. And I, and I told you the story of the children of Israel. They were set apart. Everybody say set apart. And that's why in the land of Goshen, nothing could touch them. You are set apart. When you receive Christ, you are set apart from this world to the kingdom of God in the earth. But you are set apart. It's like we're living in the land of Goshen. And the world is Egypt, if you will. Okay? So we're over here in the land of Goshen, and there's Egypt. And whatever mistakes have been made in the world, in the situations of the world, they do not affect us because we live in the land of Goshen. It says in 1 Peter that we have been delivered out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his marvelous light. That we are a chosen generation, a holy people. Didn't he say that about that first group? We read it. Same, same words, but we are a peculiar people. In other words, our lives reflect that we live in the land of Goshen. We are not subject to this world system. I'm going to show you this as we walk through this. Now, to sanctify means to hallow, to set apart, to dedicate, to consecrate, to separate. So this, we're, the sa- we're the sanctified saints. Turn to your neighbor and say, yeah, you look like one of them. <laughs> you don't see any stiff necks at next to you, do you? Well, lay hands on them right now and get rid of that. Hallelujah. Everybody say, sanctified saints. Now, the good news is it isn't by what we've done. It's because of what Christ did. Because sanctification is purchased by the blood of Jesus. That's the offering here. It says, by that we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So the only way we're sanctified is by the blood. But remember the blood in the old covenant that was put on the doorpost and over the, over the doorway? So that the the destroyer could not get in. Well, the same blood has been applied to your life. Are you getting this? If you understand covenant, you'll get a you'll get a good fight going on inside you against what the devil's trying to do. If you're basing it on what you did yesterday, you're in deep trouble. I mean, you got boots on and you are in quicksand. Hallelujah. Because we all make mistakes. But if you recognize what this is about, you say, now, wait a minute. I live in the land of Goshen. In the land of Goshen, there's a promise that we can repent and God forgives. How do we stay in the land of Goshen? We repent. We are repenters because we do not run over with the flies and the frogs and all that stuff. And I'm using that example because that's where we, what we talked about. But in the world today, we do not want to be subject to what they're telling us on television is going to happen. Now, will we be in it? We will, but we're not of it. There is a big difference, a huge difference, but only for those who know and only for those who obey. And that's why when my husband says to this church, these are the things I believe God said, you may not be a tither and you may not like it when somebody talks about tithing, but honestly, I think I'd give it a whirl. 
I think I'd give it a whirl or at least head that direction. You know, start giving and, and head for that head for the barn because only God's word will stand. The blood is, is based on the word. I mean, the blood of Jesus is supported by the word of God. He is the word of God. Jesus was the word made flesh. And so the word of God has to be obeyed for us to stay in that position. And so it says, this is what it says. I want to read you a couple of scriptures. She's going to put them up. First Corinthians six, 11. Uh, and such were some of you, but you were washed. It's talking about people who now live in the covenant, but they weren't before such were some of you who didn't do the right thing, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified. Everybody say washed, Washed. sanctified, Sanctified. justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. And by the spirit of God, everybody say, thank you, Jesus. That keeps you in the land of Goshen. When you acknowledge that, look at this scripture, 1 Corinthians 1, 2. To the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be, called to be, turn to your neighbor and say, she didn't make it up. You are sanctified saints. Now, this is important because as a man thinketh, so is he. Are we going to encounter things that want to pull us into the world? Absolutely, every day. Do you know what will keep us in the place where God's called us in our Goshen, so to speak? Is when we recognize who we are and say, this has no part in my life. This does not belong to me. I do not live in Egypt. And I'm not going to Egypt. No matter what's in Egypt, I'm not going to Egypt. Because, see, Egypt represented, and you read it all through the Old Covenant, especially in Isaiah, Egypt represented prosperity. And I want to tell you, I believe some of this world stuff is going to look like prosperity. It already is to a lot of people who are not discerning, to a lot of people who do not understand what's going on. They just see it as prosperity. Somebody's going to take care of me. So I'm going to wander over here. I tell you, God told me once, you better get off the horse and don't go to Egypt. Because I was fixing to go to Egypt. I didn't understand it at the time, but I was fixing to make a decision. Fixing is an Oklahoma word. Sorry, it carried through with me. I haven't been there in years. But fixing to do something there means getting ready to make a big mistake. Hallelujah. So I was fixing to get on my horse and ride to Egypt because I thought it was the answer to my problem. And God said to me, you just better get off the horse. Woe to him who goes to Egypt. And he gave me Isaiah 30, 31, 32 to read. Uh, It gets worse the longer you read. Don't even go there. Hallelujah. Just don't go to Egypt. And so it looks good, but it's not God. See, in the day we're living in, we've got to know where to go to work, what to do, when to go, what not to do. God is calling us because we are saints. Everybody say saints. And we're supposed to look like saints. We're supposed to act like saints. That's what's going to make the people of the world want to have what we have. And that's what it says in first Corinthians chapter one, verse two, to the church of God, which is at Corinth at Victor Christian center, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus called to be saints with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, both theirs and ours. In other words, we belong to Jesus. We're calling on the name of the most high God, not a God, just a God, the most high God. And then it says in Romans 5, 9, that we are justified. One of those words we just said we hadn't talked about before. So I put this in here so you could see it. Justified by the blood. Everybody say justified. Justified. 
by the blood. We've talked about being washed by the blood. It cleanses us. We've talked about being sanctified, set apart by the blood of Jesus, justified by the blood. It's in the word much more than it's, this is where it says that God, while we were yet sinners, sent Christ to die for us much more than having now been justified by his blood. We shall be saved from wrath through him. That means none of those plagues can touch us. None of them. Because we've been saved from that. We've been put in a position where we don't have to bow to that. Now, I want to give you this scripture in John 17, verse 15. And uh, I love this scripture. It's Jesus praying for his disciples. When he prayed for his disciples, uh, it's all of John 14, 15, 16, 17. He was preparing them for his not being with them in the natural, that he was going to die. He told them that. Uh, And he said... Uh, In verse uh, 15, let's look at that of John 17. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. He's talking to his father about his disciples. But that you should keep them from the evil one. That they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Say, I'm not of the world. He said, I don't want you to take them out of the world. Why? Why? Because they're going to represent and show who we were, who I am, who the Father is. Because it goes on and down down further. It says, Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which you have given me, for you love me for the foundation of the world. It's, I think it's right before that. It says, I, um, and the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. Above that it says, that they may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one us, that the world, that the world, everybody say that the world, that the world may believe that you sent me. What was God's heart when all those plagues came on Egypt? That, and then they'd see the difference between Egypt and Israel, that they would know there was a God. He's not changed his desire is that the world will know there's a God. Why? Because if they know there's a God, they will see their need. And they will repent and run to God. I believe we're getting ready to see that. I believe people are going to be running in the churches. Because God himself is going to reveal himself in such a powerful way, they are going to see they need God. Thank God for the Ten Commandments. But you can strip those off the wall. God is not limited to the Ten Commandments to let people know they need him. When God decides to move... He moves, and there is an awakening that nobody can stop. And I believe we're about to see it in the earth. In John 14, this is what it says, Jesus said, and this is just in his preparation for them. He said, "Um, I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. Everybody say, nothing in me. We are going to face situations and circumstances in this world, and the evil one is going to come. And he's going to see if he can find anything in us. That's what it says in 1 Peter 5. In 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9, it says that your enemy, your enemy, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, your enemy, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The enemy is out there in the world. But then it says resist him. Everybody say resist him. Steadfast in the in the faith. Everybody say that in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. 
resist him steadfast in the faith. What? In the faith that the blood of Jesus has separated you from the world's effects. As long as we're obedient and we stay in position. Now, I want to read you what Brother Copeland said in his, uh, in his faith to faith. Everybody say, called to be peculiar. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are peculiar. Now, nobody get offended. That's the word of God. Hallelujah. Now, we're, we're, we're talking a peculiar that's good. Amen. This is, what, this is what it says. God has called us to be peculiar, to stand out from the rest of the world as living proof of his power and his love. He doesn't, for example, want us to share the ailments of the world. In other words, he doesn't want us to drag in sick, worried, fretful, and say, come to church with me. Could you pick me up? My car broke down. I don't have any money. You could take me to breakfast, but I want you to meet my God. And then people greet him at the front door going, oh, we're glad you're here. We hope you've got money because we're just about broke in this church. That's not the church. Everybody say that is not the church. The church is a place of safety. The church of a living God is a place of hope. It's a place of help. It's a place of prosperity. I believe that with all my heart, with all my heart. But it says in Exodus 23, and he, he gives Exodus 10, 23, all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. He's talking about the fact that the world, it, it, it could be dark in the world, but it'll be light at our place. You know, everything may be going downhill in the world, but it'll be okay at our house. And this is what he said. We should constantly have people telling us, I've heard how God healed you. You know, that testimony of Darlene's, I believe is a testimony of what God wants to see happen in the earth from all of us. And it doesn't have to be necessarily money. It can be just somebody saying, going next door and saying, do you need me to help you with your children? Or is there something I could do to help you? Just whatever God tells us to do. It's, it's kindness. It's acts of kindness. It's acts of love. Any of you that are in love revolution, how many of you believe that's the word of God for today? Those of you that are in it, I'm telling you, it is God's word, a revival of love. The connection of all generations, loving people, wherever they're at. I've heard how God prospered you and saved your children. Do you think that'll draw people to, to church? Then he says, start using the word to draw boundaries around your life. Everybody say, use the word, use the word. To, to paint spiritual warning signs for the devil. <laughs> signs that say off limits. Wouldn't hurt to post that in your front yard. If you're too embarrassed, turn the sign around. So you read it when you go out. <laughs> and then when you get really brave, you can turn around the other way. <laughs> Hallelujah. I told Corey, I want him to put, uh, we did it this Sunday. I just wanted to see if anybody would say anything. Put, a, put the three trees, palm trees with the little, the, the, like green around it and then the sand. Stick it in the paper and see if anybody asks, what's that? You know, three palm trees standing in the middle of an advertisement in the middle of winter would make somebody say, what? Why is that? Well, nobody called to say, why is that? And nobody asked, hallelujah. So my husband says, cancel the ad. He said to me the other day, you know what? Why don't you just put it in? This is what he told me Saturday. That my husband's so much fun. Now that he's not here all the time, he has great ideas that he wants me to try that he would never have tried, hallelujah. He said to me, honey, why don't you just tell Corey to put in there? We'll take every, every visitor to lunch today at the trails. And see how many, and if they don't answer, forget the newspaper. 
It's not working. I said, well, you know, God could send us a whole bunch of visitors that way. At least he didn't say advertise the beer tent. Some of you know what that means. <laughs> Hallelujah. When we first moved here, my husband said, honey, I think I have an idea to win people to Jesus here. If you're visiting it, so you understand this, so we don't drink beer here. But he said, we'll put a beer tent up and we'll make them come through church first. We'll advertise free beer. But you have to come in the, t- in the other tent first and hear the message. Get saved. If you still want beer afterward, go on over there and have you a beer. But I said, that might really set us on the wrong track here in this town. We better start with something else a little more acceptable to the crowd. Hallelujah. Off limits. Say, I'm off limits. According to God's word, I don't belong to you anymore, devil. My family doesn't belong to you. My health doesn't belong to you. My money doesn't belong to you. My ministry doesn't belong to you. I belong to a different kingdom. Now back off in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Everybody that's ready to declare that, stand to your feet. Hallelujah. We are out of reach. God has positioned us out of reach. We have the choice to stay in position, be obedient. Or we can get out there where the enemy will smack us around. How many of you have ever been smacked around by the devil? And he smacks every, every, every cheek. He is not a respecter of persons. And I believe tonight God wants to set you free if you're in this place. God does not want you living in that bondage. God did not call you to darkness. He called you to light. Let's bow our heads. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray tonight for every person here. Lord, I know we laugh, and and it's good to laugh. Laughter is good. It is a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. And there is joy in knowing Jesus. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And we thank you, Father, that you have raised us up for such an hour. Such an hour as this. That our homes do look different. That our lives look different. Everything about us is different and we are peculiar because we are not living like the world lives. We may be standing in circumstances that it looks like if God doesn't intervene, we will go under. But God will intervene. And our confession does not change no matter what we see around us. We continue to stand upon the word of God. You may be here tonight. You say, I have never received Jesus. But I recognize I do have a major need in my life. For someone to help me. And I've recognized that man can't help me. People do not have the answer. And I am willing to give Jesus the opportunity to make that difference in my life.